turn to the book of Genesis. Here this morning, you will recall Jesus' words just before his betrayal, where he was taken captive, and then, of course, he was crucified. And he said in John 14 and 30, For the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. And so we see here, and it wasn't that long ago that I preached on that very text. We see that the prince of the world came to the prince of peace. And he found that Jesus had no hidden allegiance, no lust, and no sympathy for the fallen sinful world. And let me qualify that statement. When we use the term world, or when the Bible refers to the world, it refers to that fallen and corrupted system that dominates the carnal experience. It is the kingdom of darkness. It is the kingdom under the domain of Satan, amen, which includes the unlawful enticements, pleasures, philosophies, methodologies, and overall mentality of the carnal experience. We know that Jesus had no inclination toward these things. Hence, there was nothing that the enemy could exploit when he came for him. And therefore, there was no spiritual place for the devil to stand, no ground for the enemy to operate or to entice or otherwise appeal to the Son of God. And so there's a lesson in that for you and I, and we have talked about that many times before. We must be hidden fully in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our affections need to be set on things above rather on things beneath, or we are going to provide a venue for the enemy to come and to tempt us and to entice us. This morning, we're going to be looking at an Old Testament story that's going to demonstrate these very principles and also going to expose some areas of concern. Genesis chapter 13, and we will read verses 1 through 13. Genesis 13, verses 1 through 13. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, under the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked, and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Now turn over to 1 John, the epistle of 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, 
and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The thought here this morning is pitching our tent towards Sodom. Pitching our tent towards Sodom. Father, I know that there are those here that need to hear this word of deliverance. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that your word would have power and divine unction and authority, Father God, that you would speak to the heart, that you would expose the lie of the devil, that you would convict of worldliness and sin, particularly hidden and secret attraction to this perishing world. Deliver each and every one of us from the love of the world in all of its subtle forms. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ for the word to come, to cut asunder, to expose, put your finger on the spot. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Let everybody say it, amen, amen. Now, I believe, of course, that this word has a universal application. It's good for every one of us to hear this here this morning, amen. We need to all have ears to hear. However, I really sense that God wants to speak to some of these young people here today. I believe that some of you are being enticed. You are being tempted with the world. Amen. You are growing older. You are gaining more light. With that light becomes more obligation, more responsibility. You know, there's one way that the experience of a young person differs with an adult, and that is, amen, a young person is growing and maturing. And when they take more ground, amen, in the maturing process, they must surrender that ground to the Lordship of Christ. So as you grow in light, amen, as you, you know, begin to develop intellectually, as God grants you the ability to analyze, amen, to question, amen, all these things play in to the warfare, the the dynamics of the battle for your soul. And so as you grow older, you must choose to stand upon the Word of God for yourself. You must choose to believe this, not because mother and father believe it, but you must choose to believe it because you have sought God and you do choose to align yourself with the Word of God. But as we examine our story here this morning, we immediately see several areas of concern that no doubt contributed to Lot's spiritual demise. He fell into trouble. I said he fell into some trouble, and there were some telltale signs in his spiritual life. The first thing that you notice here, at the root, Lot was a casualty of secondhand religion. He was a casualty of secondhand religion. It says that Abraham went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, under the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. I can tell you what, when your spiritual journey begins at an altar, that's a good beginning. Amen. When your spiritual journey begins at an altar, you built unto the Lord as you cried out on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good beginning. But you know, if you're perceptive, you immediately see here that such language is conspicuously absent in describing Lot and his experience. Abraham built altars. Abraham called on the name of the Lord. And this is not the only place in Genesis it's recorded that Abraham did so. But never, not one single time, do we read such words describing Lot and his experience. Now, I'm not suggesting here this morning that Lot had no valid experience at all. Because there's something to be said for being with the right folks at the right time. That's more than most people can say. That's most than more that's that's more than most people could have said in Lot's generation. There's something to be said for that. We look back in Genesis twelve, we see that obviously he was willing to go. He was willing to leave the familiar and he was even willing to step out by faith. And we would be amiss 
not to acknowledge that his faith was in the word of God. But the key here is it was in the word of God as it was revealed to Abraham and not necessarily to Lot. It says in verse 4, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. Amen. This is the fundamental problem that we see here with Lot. Amen. Now it's true. There's absolutely nothing wrong with God using the patriarch Abraham, using Uncle Abraham as a vessel of God to speak to, to nephew Lot and to provoke him and to inspire him. Amen. But you see, the fundamental problem is Lot needed to see it for himself. Lot needed to build an altar for himself. Lot needed to call out on the name of the Lord for himself. But he was hesitant to establish a deep, abiding, first-hand knowledge of God for himself. He's willing, perhaps, to follow those who have heard from God. Amen. That's, that's more than most people can claim. But it's not enough. It's not enough. And ultimately, his lack of personal revelation led to his demise. You see, second-hand revelation is not going to shore anybody's spiritual life up to endure unto the end. For those who only occasionally gaze on the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then with an obscure vision at best, amen, sooner or later, the enticement of the world is going to overshadow the dim memory, amen, of what you may call a fable or a story you were taught in Sunday school. You must have an ongoing, day in, moment by moment revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The pastor, the preacher cannot give that to you. Mom and daddy cannot give that to you. Your husband cannot give that to you. Amen. All the preaching, all the reproof, all the rebuke, all the prayer, everything amen is calculated to bring you to a place where you will build your own altar and call out on the name of the Lord. And if you don't choose to do that, you are not going to have strength to endure until the end. Somebody said, well, I've tried that before. And I, I, I tried to see. I tried to understand why everyone was so excited. I never did understand why, why people could be so enamored with this. No, you didn't. Liar. Jesus said, Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be open unto you. If you hadn't seen it, it's because you didn't dig deep enough. Amen. If you hadn't seen it, it's because you didn't want to see it. Amen. You remember Pliable in Pilgrim's Progress. Amen. And Pilgrim said, see that yonder light. I think I do. I think I do. And then down the road he fell into the slew of despond. And when he began to rise up in discontentment and speak against the way, Pilgrim said, how could you turn after what you see? That listen to me, that's what the Holy Ghost will tell a man. How can you turn away from the Lord Jesus Christ? If you've really seen him, how can you despise him? How can you shun him? How can you turn away from him? And Bible said, I never really saw him in the first place. I never saw yonder light. Amen. It was just exposed. His heart. You see, secondhand religion. It's not going to bring you through. And you have no excuse not to see. God commands you to believe. And God commands you to see. And you better make sure you take hold of Jesus for yourself. Amen. You see, many of you here this morning, you're in the right place. You're in the right place at the right time. And you're under the right teaching. But you're not necessarily convinced of that. And no one can convince you of it until you see for yourself. 
It may be that mom and daddy's here and you've grown up in this church. It may be that your husband is here and you have to follow him. I don't know what the situation is, but I, 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 I am convinced. Amen. I'm persuaded that there are people here that if you weren't made to be here, you wouldn't be here. And there's a divided heart. There's a double mind. And the reason you don't see is because you haven't given yourself fully to the things of God. And when you give yourself fully to the things of God, you're going to build an altar and you're going to call out on the name of the Lord and He is going to show you something and He is going to tell you something and He is going to direct your path. And you'll bear witness with the Word of the Lord. Make no mistake, it's good to have the will of God confirmed by your pastor or your husband or your parents. You know that I would never speak against such a thing. I'm not trying to teach you spiritual independence. Amen. You have need of that authority that God has placed in your life. But the end of that authority is to bring you willingly and submissively under the government of the Lord Jesus Christ, where you will have a direct relationship with the Father through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you must do that. It's not merely enough just to be raised at consuming fire fellowship. It's not enough simply to embrace intellectually the things that are preached from this pulpit or even things read in the Word of God. You must walk with the living Word. You must have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can have a relationship with Jesus, but it must be on His terms. On his terms. Young person, amen. You were placed here. You have been given the greatest privilege to be exposed to the light and the truth that you have been. And the obligation and the duty that is upon you is great. You must believe. God commands you to believe. Amen. Like the words spoken here this morning. Amen. Resistance is futile. Amen. Sooner or later, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. Amen. You might as well submit to Christ now. Yield. Amen. Lose your life for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sooner or later, unless you build an altar, unless you seek God for yourself, then the enemy will one day wax more eloquent and more convincing than your authority. You see, I'm not Jesus. Amen. Jesus lives in me. And there are times where I manifest the Lord Jesus Christ. I do hope that's true. Amen. Your parents aren't Jesus. But as they're spiritual, yes, there are times where they're reflections of the beauty and the glory of the risen Lord. But they're not Jesus. Other people in this church, Christians abroad, amen, the church universal, amen. Listen to me, Jesus is manifested through that human vessel. But a, a right relationship with them alone is not going to cement or not going to solidify your enduring spirituality. You must see Jesus as He is. You must have a relationship with Him personally. You cannot have second-hand religion and expect to survive. And listen to me. Second-hand religion, it's only going to dupe you to attack the God that you never would seek in the first place. Amen. Second-hand religion is only going to dupe you to speak against the God of beauty and love that you refuse to seek in the first place. To excuse your own rebellion, you can have. Now, there's not a person in here this morning. You can have Jesus, and you can have just as much of Jesus as you want. All you have to do is believe, amen, and submit yourself to the conditions of the Word of God. There is no end to that river that flows. There is no bottom, amen, to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is life, and life eternal. Do you understand that term? Eternal, endless, forever. There is no end to that life, and you can have as much of that life as you want. 
The reason we don't have it is simply because we don't want it bad enough. But if we want it, we will have it. Amen. The second thing you see, Lot allowed trials, difficulties, and hardship to drive him. He let trials, difficulties, and hardship govern and drive him. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. You see, the universal experience of man is life is filled with surprises, disappointments, tests, and turns. Nobody escapes that. No, not even saints. Amen. There's going to be some trials. There's going to be some prizes, some surprises. There's going to be some things that unfold in your life and my life that we never would have expected. Amen. And with Lot, it was no different. He set out in the beginning by faith. Amen. With old Uncle Abraham, I believe he had high expectations. Or why would he have ever went with him in the first place? I don't know whatever happened. Amen. I don't know the reasons. But apparently, he grew discontented and disappointed or he would have never left. Oh, Uncle Abraham. He was with him and then he wasn't. We see there, there came tension in the camp. And no doubt, where carnality is forced to submit to spirituality, where second-hand religion is asked to follow personal revelation of God, there's going to be some trouble. There's going to be some conflict. Amen. There's going to be some unrest. Because when you're going in a certain direction, and people cannot see why and where the reason why you're going in the direction you're going, they're going to question your mentality. I'm going to question your sanity. You see, listen to me. Wherever carnality and spirituality are forced together, there's going to be trouble. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. How could it be otherwise? You get someone who is carnal, amen, and put them in. People ask me, you know, I'm my marriage. There's trouble. There's no peace in my house. Well, is your husband or your wife right with God? No, they're not. Well, what do you expect? You've got children that aren't right with God. Amen. It's not going to be peace there. Amen. There's going to be conflict. And, and listen to me. You're going to have to rise up and be spiritual in that conflict. You're going to have to lead. You're going to have to discipline. You're going to have to confront. Amen. Listen to me. You're, you're going to grow weary in confronting that. That's where the warfare is going to come in. You're going to grow weary in confronting it and weary in confronting it in a right spirit. That's where the temptation is going to be. Either not to deal with it at all and call it love or to deal with it in a wrong spirit and justify it. No, no. You've got to confront. It must be dealt with. And it must be dealt with all the time and in every situation. Now, true, our text points out a legitimate problem. There was a legitimate problem here. It says that the land was not able to bear them. We're talking about something just in the natural. Amen? I believe there's a spiritual application and a spiritual lesson for us. But nevertheless, as we look back historically, this is just simply a natural problem. Amen? The land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together. For their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. Now, when the Bible speaks of their substance, it's speaking of their wealth. And for the most part, wealth in those days was measured, amen, by livestock. That's why the Bible uses the term, the land was not able to bear them. In other words, they didn't have enough grazing land for all the animals, amen? And so there was a strife between the herdmen of the cattle. But certainly, the problem could have been remedied without Lot going all the way down into Sodom and Gomorrah. Do we understand this? You see, when you look at Abraham and his response to the situation, he was spiritual. Amen. He tried to make peace. He said, now Lot, 
Let's not, let there not be strife between us. We're brethren here. And then he preferred his brother. He said, he agreed that a certain degree of separation was necessary. But he said, look, you go to the left and I'm going to go to the right. Amen. I go to the right and you can go to the left. Amen. Whatever you choose, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I'm going to prefer you. His response was spiritual. But as it is with carnal people, you cannot appease someone discontented. Amen. You cannot please them. You see, there's a deeper problem underneath it all. It says, listen to me, Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. That's where, amen, listen to me, if you're, if you're really led of the Spirit, that's always where you're going to end up. You're going to end up in Canaan land. Abraham, he dwelt in the land of Canaan. But Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. Now, I want you to listen to that. Where did he go? What was the problem? How is this the remedy for the problem? When the Bible says the land could not, was not able to bear them, it's speaking about there was not enough grassland for the livestock. And yet it says here that Abraham dwelt in Canaan, but Lot went into the cities. Cities are not known for grassland. Amen. Cities are not known for pasture. You want to buy some pasture, you don't go to Baton Rouge. And you don't go down to the suburbs of Baton Rouge. You get out of the city. Amen. You see, that really wasn't the problem. It was an occasion. Amen. It was a temptation. It was a difficulty. It was a trial. Amen. And and the devil used it, or, or rather Lot used it, amen, to fulfill his hidden agenda. So it is with people. That really aren't that spiritual. Amen. Thus, apparently, Lot allowed this necessity of separation in proximity become a separation in influence. Abraham never intended that, and neither did God. Amen. He allowed, listen to me, the necessity of that separation in proximity to become a separation in influence. Like someone wisely observed, amen, life is tough, but it's even tougher if you're stupid. Amen. That's a very profound observation. But Lot here was being very stupid. Sadly, like many who are half-hearted and double-minded, he allowed difficulties in the natural to drive him into the path of least resistance. How many of you see this when people come into the church and again you find yourself trying to talk them in to following Jesus, having to encourage them every two, three days, every couple weeks, they're on the brink of throwing in the towel. Listen to me, you might as well, and and I'm not saying you shouldn't try to encourage people, but I'm here to tell you sooner or later, the devil is going to rise up a hill of difficulty in that life, and at the first chance, such people will cast in the towel, and they'll blame it on their difficulty. Because that carnal individual above all, amen, they hate discomfort, they hate self-denial, and they love ease in the natural, ease in the natural. Carnality naturally seeks and flows into the path of least resistance, amen, that which always will end in destruction. It just naturally goes that way. It cannot discern. It cannot see. It doesn't know the difference between right and left, backwards and forward, midnight and midday. It will just naturally flow into the path of least resistance. So many will follow along until the cost of follow is raised up. Then they fall away. And that's exactly what Jesus said in the parable of the sower about the stony ground hearers. Amen. They receive it with joy, and yet they have no real depth of root. No real deep work. Just secondhand religion. Amen. Intellectual agreement. They kind of endure for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by, they are offended. By and by, they are offended. Oh, whose fault is it? Whose fault is it that such people, amen, didn't have a deeper work of God? It was the soil. Amen. It was the condition of the hearer. Amen. Here, take heed how you hear. Listen to the Holy Ghost 
this morning. He says to you, you better take heed how you hear because you are obligated. Amen. For all the truth that you've ever heard, that's ever been spoken to you. Amen. In this church, in your devotions at home, wherever, however. Amen. This flawed mentality, though, and naturally established the next. The next thing that's obvious is that Lot failed to esteem the value of godly influence and godly fellowship. It says in verse 11, Then Lot chose him all the plains of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from the other. The trouble began when he disesteemed his relationship with Abraham, and God had placed Abraham in his life. Amen. Now, it's true. On one hand, he needed a personal revelation of God for himself. But on the other hand, he did not need to forsake that delegated authority in his life. He needed to esteem that influence. He needed to esteem that fellowship. And so it is with you. Amen. You need to know Jesus Christ for yourself. But that doesn't mean you don't need your mother, your father, your brother, your husband, or the local church. You need all of it. Amen. First Corinthians 15 and 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. That means if I have good communications, amen, spiritual communications, I'm going to be strengthened. Obviously, God sovereignly placed Abraham in Lot's life to be a godly influence and to offer wise counsel. No God, no doubt God intended for Abraham to be Lot's spiritual authority, a father figure, if you, if you will. And I believe that Abraham, we don't have any record of this, but I'm sure that Abraham, even the Bible says that he commanded his house after him. I believe that he dealt with nephew Lot. I believe he dealt with his heart, that he spoke to him time after time after time. Amen. And I don't really know how Lot perceived it, but he must not have perceived it the way that God wanted him to perceive it, because he would have never separated or forced, uh, forsaken or forfeited that fellowship and that influence with Uncle Abraham, if he'd have seen it rightly, amen. But Lot failed to comprehend the value of such a relationship, amen. And you see, Abraham represents God's delegated authority, whether it be the husband, whether it be the parents, or the local church. And when people are independent, when they don't see the godly spiritual value of such relationships, amen, then they open up a venue for the devil to sift it. So it is for you and I. When we disesteem godly counsel and fail to see the importance of God-ordained relationships, then we are independent. Hebrews 13 and 17. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy, not with grace, for that is unprofitable for you. That speaks to delegated authority. That's in the Bible. Amen. Now, obviously, no earthly authority is so binding that you must obey it, amen, to the disobedience of God's Word. But it must be a clear-cut command, amen. Whenever authority, wherever it is, it doesn't matter if it's the policeman over here or the government, my my wife, my husband, my parent, whatever it may be, as long as they are not asking me to sin, then the right spirit is to come under and obey, and that is the will of God. You see, there is a rival voice, and it is going to, it is going to undermine, amen, all that which is in agreement, amen, and that which is in agreement is God and His delegated authority. You know, government, we think of government, we tend to think of Republicans and Democrats and elections and city councils, but government is simply authority, and the Bible says that the magistrate, the government is there, amen, to punish evildoers there's nothing to fear if you're not doing anything evil amen 
And if that particular government submits itself to the world of evil and manifests itself in asking you to sin, then you just submit to the government of God. But you don't have to fear real government because government only punishes evildoers. Amen. But but here we have there, there was a worldly or pardon me, there's a worldly proverb that was common when I was young. Some of you may have heard it. It says your parents will suddenly become geniuses when you turn thirty. And that's true. Even where, there's a lot of things that my parents taught me that I thought they were foolish. And my parents were born again. Amen. But there was a lot of things that they taught, taught me. And you know what? They were right. They were right, but I couldn't see it because I didn't have the experience they had. How much more for you that are raised in Christian homes, amen? Believe me, your parents have your best interest at heart, and you had better have ears to hear what your parents are saying. Amen. God forbid that we would have to suffer the consequences for a lack of wisdom to learn to appreciate it. Amen. That we would have to suffer the consequences. Consequences, amen, for the lack of wisdom to learn to appreciate wisdom. You, you can avoid the pitfalls if you simply just hear the word of God. The fourth thing, Lot allowed himself to be enticed by the world. He allowed that temptation, that seduction of the world to draw him out of the will of God. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plains and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. You see, the Bible says that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. And such a telling statement here. Amen. The language that's used. Notice, he didn't immediately go into the heart of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Only that he pitched his tent toward. That, I believe, is a reflection of Lot's heart. Amen. But you know, to have your heart pitched towards Sodom is to be internally forward to God. To be forward is the opposite of being toward. Amen. And to have your heart pitched toward the world is, amen, to be an enemy of Almighty God. Amen. Psalms 101 enforces a forward heart shall depart from me. A forward heart shall depart from me. Looking back at verse 10, we see Lot's heart manifested. It says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Amen. You know, that's what the devil wants to show you. And that's what the devil is showing a lot of you young people. You're gazing out there. That voice of the world is wooing you and calling you and advertising, amen, to you. And all you see is the well-watered valley. That's the only thing you have eyes for. It looks so good. It looks so inviting. All you can see is blessing and prosperity, promised freedom and liberty, amen, to be liberated from the restraints of religious conviction. There are all types of promises and pitches that the devil is using to appeal to you. Amen. That's what Lot saw. He saw that the plain, it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest in the Zoar. But you know what? That's what man saw. That's what the natural man can see. That's what the natural eyes can perceive. That's what the carnal mind really looks for. But you know what God saw? God saw that the men were exceeding wicked and sinful. And that's what God saw. And I'm warning you here this morning, young people, you better open your eyes and you better see what God sees here this morning. Because the devil, he's not going to show you what's going to happen. You think you're being led into liberty and the devil has a package of death for you. He's bringing you into bondage. Amen. He'll tell you he's bringing you into the promised land. But he won't tell you that God is getting ready to burn it to the ground. That he is getting ready to burn it to the ground. You had better open your eyes and see as God sees. Here in this seemingly 
innocent moment. Think about it. Amen. There was a real problem. There was pride. Amen. Abraham. Amen. The patriarch of faith. He suggested separation. A seemingly innocent moment. Insignificant choice. Seemingly. But this is where the enemy came in and found place in Lot. So often it happens like that. Well, what's wrong with me doing this? What's wrong? Is there something wrong with me choosing to go here? Is there, Can you really show me in the Bible where I'm, I mean, I can't do that? Seemingly insignificant. But underneath it all, the devil's sifting you. Amen. Because you see, there's a lust for the world. Nobody could have condemned him on the ground of this choice alone. Because no one knew where he was really going. Amen. He didn't say I'm going to move down there. Amen. The lack of personal revelation, the shallow commitment, the independent heart, it was exploited right here in this choice. And instead of walking by faith, Lot walked by sight. Amen. And when he walked by sight, it seemed right unto him. But it was a package of death. And so the bait was taken and the trap was sprung. And his ruin was basically sealed. Amen. Because he thought that he was ending into an area of prosperity and liberty. But it meant certain spiritual demise. He never discerned it. See, when you walk by sight, that's what you're going to see. And that enticement, that seduction, that's why temptation is referred to as seduction. That's why the typology to the Old Testament, many times. And I know there is a seduction that can take place in the natural with sins of immorality. Amen. I'm not denying that. But many times in the Old Testament, the typology is true. When Samson laid his head in the lap of Delilah, that is a picture of the world putting a man, a spiritual man, to sleep, lulling him to sleep. The, the, the temptation, the seduction, the enticement is so powerful that she could do what she did and look him in the face. He knew it in death, but it's the And God can point out to you week after week, Sunday after Sunday, day after day. Amen. Don't take the bait. It's a trap. But you still have ears for that voice. Amen. I can tell you the root is. You need to go back to the beginning and find whether you really built an altar and called out on the name of the Lord and really get a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Drifting Christian, young person, whomever, Satan is making a bid for your soul. And he is using the world to entice, to seduce, and appeal to you. And I know it's true. It looks so satisfying. So fulfilling, so inviting. <coughs> Pardon me. And you may say to me, well, Brother Brent, you had to go out there. What a terrible shame. What a pity. What a reproach. There are thousands like me, just like me. No, millions who did the same. And they're in hell. They're in hell. Amen. They're in hell. Don't think. Listen to me. As if you have a right. You see, this is the spirit of someone who really, as I have, I have a right like you to go sow my wild oath. Nobody has a right to rebel against God. And anybody who's really right with God laments that they ever did so. Terrible and awful. What's that you said? I, I'm not going to go all the way. I was raised in I know the truth. I'm not going to go all the way in Sodom. I'm just going to go in the plains and the outskirts. I'm just going to go halfway between Sodom and old Uncle Abraham here. I'm pitching my tent, but I'm not really going to go all the way. Don't you be deceived. That devil has your destruction planned. 
Amen. And I'll quote this quote again. It's been quoted to you so many times. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will cause you to stay longer than you intended to stay. And sin will cause you to pay much more than you ever, ever wanted to pay. Lot never dreamed that he's soon going to be offering his virgin daughters to perverts to keep the sodomites, his neighbors, from raping angels. And that's the lie that the devil's told you. I'm not going to go that far in the world. I would never do that. I know better than that. You're foolish. Amen. If you submit, if you yield, and you become a servant to what you yield to, and if you submit to sin, like I told you the other day, amen, you're going to dance to its tune. You're not going to dominate sin. Sin is going to dominate you. Amen. You're no match for sin in your own power and your own strength. Amen. Sin is going to overtake you. Sin is going to dominate and enslave you. Sin is going to shackle, bind, and torment you and ultimately damn your soul. Don't you play with sin. Don't you play with the world. Because it will destroy you. It will destroy you. And finally, we must mention it's true. Lot was delivered. And thank God he was delivered. Thank God. But at what cost was he delivered? It says in Second Peter 2 and 7, and delivered just Lot. How can God refer to Lot here as just? You know, I mentioned this or addressed it in the sermon that I preached not too long ago, Remember Lot's Wife. And you'll remember I said Lot wasn't referred to as just because God approved of his sin, but because in the end he had just enough faith to take God at his word and be delivered. Amen. But you know, likewise, everyone here born again can say the same thing. Amen. I, You know, God doesn't call Britt Williams just because my entire life has been righteous and holy. Amen. My, my life before I was saved was a reproach and worthy of the most severe retribution of God. But I have been justified by the grace of God. Amen. And my life, amen, has been redeemed by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything before that was evil, dangerous, stupid, and it cost me dearly. It cost me dearly. And remember, Lot was spared, but he was spared at an incredible cost. He lost his wife. He lost his son-in-laws. He lost his daughters, amen, because they were obviously perverted. And through them, he sired two sons whose seed fought the will of God throughout their existence and lineage, amen. The amazing thing is this. Lot may never have known, but if it wasn't for Abraham and his intercession, Lot would have never made it, amen. You may say, well, what's the big deal, preacher? He did make it out. He was the only only one that did. You understand that? There was hundreds of thousands of people there. And him and his two daughters were the only thing that walked out living. The only thing, amen, that walked out not burning in hell. Amen. You want to play with those odds? That's why Jesus said straight is the gate. Narrow is the way that leadeth to life. Few be that find it. Not many make it, amen. And particularly those that know better, that dabble in it anyway. Amen. And you know, in closing, just remember, you go out there and take your chances with that world. How many of you have someone the caliber of Abraham to pray for you? Think about it. Because if you don't, the fire will burn you up before you ever know what hits you. Let's stand here this morning. I don't need any music. 
world is not your friend. The devil just disguises it and cloaks it. But underneath it is certain death. You see, it's in the heart where you have to make a choice. You have to resolve by the grace of God. You have to be crucified unto that and that unto you. There's no way that a man can teach you to do that. You've got to fall upon the grace of God. You've got to cry out. You need to build an altar here this morning. And you need to call out on the name of the Lord. I believe there's people here that the devil every day, every moment, maybe mommy and daddy don't even know about it, but that devil is whispering to you. And you've seen a well-watered valley. You've seen the details. Amen. You've had a lot of discussion with the realtor there. And you are being tempted. You are being drawn, enticed, and seduced. And the Holy Ghost is telling you here this morning, you need to find an altar. And you need to build that altar. And you need to call out on the name of the Lord. Why don't you kneel somewhere, find a place to pray, and seek the Lord. It may not be a young person. Maybe it's someone older. Maybe it's a wife. Amen. Maybe it's a man. I don't know. But I believe there are people here. Amen. You've grown weary. That enticement, that seduction, you sense it. Amen. There, there's a desire to lay your head down into the lap of Delilah. There's a desire to be put to sleep. Amen. There's a desire to be drawn out. And you may even know it means certain death. But you've calculated your chances. You thought, well, well, uh, there's good odds. God will have mercy. I'm not going to go that far. Amen. I'm just going to dabble a little while, whatever it may be. There's no time to play with God. No time to play with the things of God. You've heard too much truth to plunge into the darkness. You've heard too much of the truth just to turn your back and to flee. You've been granted the privilege to hear the truth. And you are obligated to submit to it. Seek the Lord here today, saint of God. Hallelujah.
are running through your mind and your thought life from day to day. Young person in particular. Are you planning your future apart from God? Are you sizing up things about the Christian life that you don't like? Are you imagining yourself free from the restraints and restrictions of authority? If you could have no one tell you what to do, would you? The devil then is showing you a well-watered valley. Amen? He's deceiving you. He's seducing you. He's enticing you. And above all, he's lying to you. You know, if you ask the world out there, they would tell you, don't don't waste your life in this religious stuff. Let me tell you what that is. That's Satan himself. You know what he's telling you? I can't do anything to you unless you let me. But if you will open yourself up, I will defile you. Just please let me at you. That's what he's telling you. Yes, waste your life on Jesus. Amen. There's nothing worth laying down. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Lose your life for his name's sake. Amen. That's the truth. That's what the Bible says. The devil's going to tell you the opposite of what the Bible says. Because he's a thief. He's a liar. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But the only secure ground, the only safe haven, the only place of protection, the only high tower, the only shield, the only buckler is in. Not merely behind mom and daddy. Not merely at consuming fire fellowship. But in the Lord Jesus. To be born again, it's a powerful, life-changing, transforming experience. You think you're going to become 30 or 40 years old and sin is going to lose its attraction? No, sin is going to be ever more attractive to you. Amen? You think people get older and just, well, I got tired of sin. Sin is no longer attractive to me. No, no. The more you give yourself to sin, the more you're going to be bound by sin. The more you submit to sin, the deeper pit you dig. The, the further you go east, the further you got to turn around and walk to get back west. You're sacrificing a lot. Most probably you sacrifice your soul if you let the devil lie to you, especially knowing the truth. Most likely you'll never make it. But if you do, listen to me, you will lament the day. When you return, even being restored, you will lament that you did not listen because the price will be steep. this time. Amen. If you're still seeking God, just keep seeking. Father, we're thankful for the truth.
touch that soul or quicken that soul, Lord God. Grant that soul the terror of the Lord, oh God. Have mercy. Have mercy, Lord God. Offer restraint, Lord, as the enemy comes in like a flood. Lift up a standard against the devil. We rebuke you, Satan, in every lie. Have mercy, Lord God. Your grace, Lord, to turn that heart conviction, reproof, unsettle. Oh God, I pray in the name of Jesus, light, searing, holy, exposing light, conviction, Lord God, that turns the soul, Lord. Draw them under the Lord Jesus Christ. Save the soul, Lord God, that hangs in the balance here this morning. The name of Jesus, turn that wayward soul, that struggling individual, Lord. Turn them unto you. Have mercy in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we trust you, Lord. Let not individuals cast this word to the side. But I pray, Lord, that you would germinate it. Father God, that it would rise up and bear fruit. In the name of Jesus. Everybody say it, amen. God bless you. Be very quiet as you dismiss. Fellowship outside. If you will, we will see you tonight, 6 o'clock for prayer.